text didn't work very well there, but whatever, you know. You get the picture. You get the picture. That's it, I guess. You don't get the words. So we'll see how the rest of the slides look today. Um, it's really been good to worship with you all so far. Really thankful for the group here and thankful for a lot of visitors that we have. Um, been going through Ecclesiastes this year, and uh, so, so today's going to be the last lesson from Ecclesiastes we have. We're only going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 14 that Mikhail just read. Um, it's been really good for me to look at this, and I hope it's been helpful just occasionally to have some reminders uh, from the wise preacher and teacher, Solomon, that wrote this book. Um, I, I guess just as a, an intro, just to remind us of some things, this whole book is from the perspective of what life is like if you just look at life and just look at and make observations, like the whole under the sun perspective. That, that's what Solomon is doing. Uh, we know it's Solomon not because he names himself, but because of some key things. Like he says he's the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Um, th there was not that many kings that were in Jerusalem, king over all of Israel, uh, because there's a divided kingdom pretty quick uh, into the nation of Israel's timeline. So it really seems like it must be Solomon. Also the fact that it says that he asked for wisdom, and we know that in the story of Solomon that he asked for wisdom, and he was blessed with that wisdom. So here's a man that is a king. He's the son of David. He asked for wisdom. He has all this wisdom and understanding. Now he is able to step back and observe what life is really all about. Um, we don't know exactly when in his life he, he wrote this or made this observation. I think it would be pretty fair to say it's like later in his life, but he might not have been on his deathbed or anything. Um, also in Ecclesiastes, there's a lot about like this is to his son, like my son. You even heard that in what Mikhail read. Um, whether it's just to one son or many sons, or he's just wanting this to be passed on to people, this is wisdom that is meant to be passed on. And so we are ben benefiting from that today. Um, a lot of things in Ecclesiastes are about vanity and about, and sometimes we think that's like worthlessness or just total emptiness, but that's not necessarily it. It just means that there is an emptiness because things just in, in life are, um, there's a brevity. There, there's a there's a time, and then once that once that time is done, it's just it's done. Um, there's there's a unstableness to life. There's you can't rely on things in life because you can't control everything. And even if you could control everything in your life, one day you'll die, and then there's nothing, and you can't do anything about what's left behind. So that's what Ecclesiastes has been all about. We've gone through eight lessons already on Ecclesiastes, so I haven't done one every month, but this will be the ninth one. And so what I thought might be helpful is just to put up a slide that has one main takeaway point from each lesson that we've looked at so far. We'll see what it looks like on that slide. Just brace yourself. I don't know. Okay, that looks all right. So, um, so here's what we've looked at so far, and I'll, I'll back this up a little bit. Without considering God, life is vanity. We got that from the very first lesson. Like, if you do not consider God, life is vanity. That is what Solomon did. It's not that he didn't care about God or didn't, didn't have a relationship with God or didn't know God. It's that he decided to look at life from the perspective of someone that does not know God, really. Or does not know there's an eternity, does not know there's anything other than what this life seems to offer. And he says, well, life is vanity then. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. That's what he says. Then he says that, we need to treasure God more than what he has given you. You have so many blessings. 
We all have so many blessings. And this is from someone that had it all and didn't lose it, but seemed to keep having it all. And he says, you need to treasure God more than all this stuff. You need to rejoice in the time you have. You only have so much time. There's a time for everything under the sun, he says. Um, but some of those things don't seem good, so that's why he says, you need to just like rejoice in the time that you have. Because that's all you can bank on, is what you have right now. He talks about community and people in your life in Ecclesiastes, which was a little different. I, I thought Ecclesiastes was all about just work, money, eat, drink, and be merry kind of stuff. But there's actually quite a bit about community. And what I think he says here is that community is a blessing. People are a blessing. Um, family is a blessing. And actually one of, the, one of the things he says that's very wise is that we can accomplish more together. So we talked about how we need to apply that to us. That's wisdom for us today. We need to be wise in our worship of God. We need to consider God as we approach him. This is not to be something that is flippant. This is not to be something that we just do because that's just what we do. We really need to approach God with the right heart, with the right disposition, reverence. But also, we need to be wise in the wealth he has given us. So the reason those things are kind of connected is when you think of, like, sacrifice. Sacrifice brings along the idea of worship of God. But sacrifice for in Ecclesiastes also means you're sacrificing what you have and the wealth that you have, whatever that is. Like, however small that wealth is, you need to consider God and be wise in your wealth. Everything will come to an end, but wise people look ahead. Like everything will end. That doesn't mean that you have to have experienced that for yourself to learn that lesson. Like Solomon is telling us it's true. Um, we know that's true of like lives of like goldfish and stuff like that. Like everything comes to an end and it's pretty quick. We just don't think it applies to us sometimes. But how different are we than goldfish? Really? Like here today, gone tomorrow. That, that's why he winds up saying wise people look ahead and consider what's ahead. Wisdom is good for us now and for eternity. Like, this is not just practical things that help you be better in this life, although that is a lot of what this is. It's preparing you for what's to come. And we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. And the last one that we looked at, um, I think it was last month, was that we're not in control. So we need to honor and cherish God now. That We, we looked at chapter 11 in the beginning of chapter 12. Where in the beginning of chapter, after chapter 12, he says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. And you'll say, like, this is terrible, basically. So, like, we aren't in control. And his message is, just start honoring God and remembering him now. Cherish him now. No matter what age you are, you have an opportunity to do that right now. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. So what, however much time you have left, the best use of your time is to honor God and to remember him and turn to him. So today what we're going to look at is we're going to ask this question, what is life all about or what life is all about? That's what we're going to look at. Um, and we're only going to be in Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 14. I'm going to reference some other scriptures, but there are seven points and, and I think principles that we need to pull out from, from this text. And don't worry, it won't be as long as last week, Jason. Um, so hopefully uh, whoever has the Lord's Supper talk doesn't have to cut it down too much. Um, so these seven, I'm, I'm going I'm to move pretty quick. So let's go ahead and get into the first one. So from our text that uh, Mikkel just read, he says, besides being wise, the preacher taught, also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. I think the first thing that we get from this is that pursuing wisdom leads to delight. 
If you want to have pleasure and delight in this life, then the first thing you need to pursue is wisdom. It says that this wise preacher, this teacher Solomon, besides being wise, he taught, decided to try to teach people, but he already has his wisdom, and then he sought to find words of delight. So as he's trying to like look at all that he has seen and wrap this whole sermon up that he has, he's like, okay, what do I have to say? I have words of wisdom. That will be a delight. So my son, listen to these words. That, that's a really cool thing and comforting thing for us to understand. See, God's truths are good. That doesn't mean they aren't difficult at times. That doesn't mean there aren't things that we have to kind of let's sit and pray about and like get counsel for, but God's truths, they are good. They are things that we should delight in. He, like I mentioned earlier, he says at the beginning of the chapter, there's going to come a day when you're not going to delight in your life. If you look back at Ecclesiastes 12.1, he says, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. There will come a day, or there has already been a day for, for you, where you're like, I'm not delighting in life. I'm not finding pleasure in life right now. So what, what is there for us when we go through those times? Well, there's God's wisdom. There's his comforting word. There's his truths that, that will plant deep in our hearts that will allow us to be unshakable in times where everything is just very, is shaking around us. That's what God has given us. That's when we need God's wisdom and his words. We need his words so that we can delight in life. And when we delight in his words, we find more in life to delight about. See, godly wisdom is also meant to be shared. This is going to be something that we're going to look at in a second. But if you notice what he says, he says that the preacher also taught the people knowledge and weight. So this is not just for him. Like he is seeking to share this. And what is he wanting to share? Words of delight. Like I, I grew up and um, words from a parental figure didn't seem like they were delightful very often. Uh, they were just seeming like they were a burden to me. Some of those words were truly burdensome. Some of those words were not, and they were a delight. In the moment, they didn't seem delightful. Though. God's words are always delightful. They just don't always seem delightful to us. He's not a harsh father that is seeking to put a burden on us. He's a loving father that is wanting to help us and protect us and guide us, wanting to give us insight into what life is truly all about. So pursuing wisdom leads to delight. If you're not feeling delight, number one, feelings can't be trusted. Um, not, not all the time, at least. In fact, rarely feelings can truly be trusted. But if you're not feeling delight in life, well, there's a good chance that what you need to do is you need to turn to God's wisdom. And I would, I would encourage you to just go to the Proverbs. Go to Psalms. L look at insight into how David viewed his life, whether he was going through good things or bad. Go to Proverbs and see just practical wisdom. And it's going to be hard because you're going to like kind of feel lost as you start reading. But the more you continue to read and just fill yourself with his words and his wisdom, you're going to start realizing how that applies to your life. And I really think that over time, I don't know if it's a day or if it's a month, over time, things start getting a little bit more delightful because that's what his wisdom will do for us. The second thing that I think we need to point out is that God's truths are the right words. They're right no matter what the situation is. So the preacher decided, I'm going to write down all this stuff, okay? I want to teach people knowledge, weigh and study and arrange Proverbs with great care. And it says, uprightly, he wrote words of truth. Um, I 
I'm so I, I talk a lot, not just when I'm not not just in this setting. I just I talk a lot. And sometimes I feel like I say some pretty wise things. I mean, there are times where in moments I'm like, that's pretty good. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, and then there's other times I'm like, what am I talking about? I'm just rambling. Now I'm lost. And I got to wrap this up. Let me try to land on something that sounds good. I, like, we're, we're, we're kind of dumb. You know, I mean, that's how that's who we are. God's truths, though, man, they, they're just so good. They're always right. They're so, they're so steady. He doesn't just rant. I know we think Paul rambles, but like, I mean, God and his word, he just doesn't ramble and ramble and then eventually get to a point. And I think that's something that Solomon is bringing out. Like, he is seeking to provide us true wisdom, truths that can be planted in our hearts and will be good for us. God has given us words that are truly useful. We can put them into practice. It's not just seeking the advice of, of a friend. This, this is the God of all creation. And one of the hard things for us to believe is that true words are the most delightful. His truths are the most delightful. People sometimes say that the truth hurts, and that's usually just people's excuse for saying mean things. Um, but God's truths, if they hurt, well, that, that's actually a good pain. They, they truly are for our benefit. He's not trying to be mean. He's not trying to be a jerk. God is giving us things that we can build our life on so we can continue to seek him and see that, see that there is good in this life, but we can also reach past this life, and we can see beyond this life. That's what Solomon has set out to, to write down and record. So that, that's what we are seeing right now. You know, I, I, can, I can't compare God's truths to, like, um, when you have a cut and you pour alcohol on the cut. Um, does it hurt? Sometimes. In fact, every time, right? I mean, it, it just always does. Sometimes that's what, that's what God's truths are. Is it good, though? Is it beneficial? Do we need that? Yeah. It's like cleaning out that infection. It's getting rid of the bad. That's what God's words sometimes are. Other times, God's words are a comfort, and it's like this wonderful thing. It's like this blanket that just, you know, kind of wraps around you, and it makes you feel so secure. So whether it's painful or it's comforting, God's words are the right words. And along with that kind of goes into the next verse where he says, the words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. Goats and nails, and it sound good. Uh, but he says they are given by one shepherd. So I think what we get from this is there's one source of wisdom, and it's God. There's one shepherd, he says. But he says that these things, these sayings, this wisdom, it's like goats or nails. So if you lived in this time and you needed to push the cattle along, what you would do is you would have this nail that is like behind the cattle. That way, if they started going the wrong way, the, the nail or the goad would prod them in the right direction. Or if they want to stop, it'll keep them going. That's what they needed. So basically, we're like cattle and we're like livestock that don't know where we're going. We want to stop when we're not supposed to. We want to go left and we should go right. We get off track. And here's God giving us wisdom that sometimes can be harmful or feel, not, not be harmful, but feel like it's harming us, but really it's correcting us and it's getting us on the right path. So we continue going down this line. That's what, that's what God is giving us here. Because there's one source of wisdom. There's one source of what's right. Because there's one Lord, one God, and Father over all, who is through all and in all. That's what Ephesians 4, 6 says that we looked at a couple weeks ago. See, when, when we want to know what is right and what is true, when we are just really lost, there's one source we can go to. And he will never let us down. He is consistent. 
He's constant. He is dependable. And that's God. James 1.17 says that he's the father of lights with whom is no variation or change. See, we are people that are used to constant change. Like, I, I think I do really well, actually, in chaos. Um, or at least when, like, when it's chaos that I like. That might sound weird, but I've, I've noticed that sometimes there's chaos I don't like, and I'm like, get me out of this. But generally, like, when things are just moving and changing, I'm like, okay, this is, this is good, you know? I like this. It's kind of fun to, like, navigate through that and feel like you actually did the right thing. That's sometimes what, what we like. We like that. We don't need that in life, though. Like, we don't need people that are just used to the chaos. We, we need to be people that are grounded, people that actually can stand firm on something. And when we need that, we need to go to God. So don't come to me, and don't, don't, go, don't go to anyone else. Don't, don't seek just a, another wise person that you think, well, they, they seem to have good things in life. If you really want wisdom, you've got to go to God. His wisdom is effective. It will prod us along. It will do exactly what it's supposed to do. We just need to trust in his words. Um, I, I don't know if you uh, will feel this way, but there are times where I don't know where to turn to when I just, sometimes I just know I, I, just, I just need to be in his word. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what I should open up and read. Um, there have been times where I've tried just to open up and read Jeremiah, and I, 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 just, I stopped reading uh, pretty quickly. And that's just me. That's just like, I was just like, I'm lost, you know. And there have been other times where I've turned to a very familiar past, and I'm like, well, I already know this. Is this really going to help me right now? I know I'm feeling just very, like, scattered, and, but I already know what Ephesians 2 says. Is that really going to help me? And, and it does. And, and I would say no matter where you turn, it's going to be good. It's going to be helpful. Um, maybe turn to something that is a little bit more familiar where you, you, knew, you know the context so you're not struggling to understand what is really being said. Um, it's funny. So, I, I mean, my granddad's been really involved in my life my whole life. Um, but it was just a few months ago I was, and I might have shared this, but we were, we were talking, and, and he was, he's 89, and so he's just he's older, and we were having that conversation about the fact that he was getting older, which is funny. He's getting older. He's 89. But still, anyway, that was, that was a conversation we were having. And he told me that when he first was like, really seeking. He was in the military for a short time, and when he was just really seeking, like, truth and seeking God, that he had this little Bible, and he would just, he, he was like, I just, I didn't even know what I was doing. I would just open up and start reading. You know, I'm like, I'm like, well, that sounds like a good thing, right? But what he meant was, like, he just didn't even know it, but he knew that was good, and he knew that was, like, a good source. Even when you feel so lost, and you don't even know who Obadiah is, just open up the Bible and just start reading something. If you need a little bit of help, maybe ask someone that you do trust. It seems like they, they are in his word a lot. Explain what you're going through, and then they'll point you somewhere in his word that will be so beneficial. It might prick you and prod you along, but it's going to help you, and it's going to get you where you need to be. That does bring us to the next point, though. Verse 12, he says, My son, beware of anything beyond these. So he says, Beware of anything beyond, what's the these? Beware of anything beyond the sayings from the one shepherd. I think that's what he said. Not all words are wise words. We need to be careful with what we're listening to. The pursuit of knowledge is in everything. Uh, if you go on and you read the rest of this verse 12, he says, 
of making many books, there is no end. Much study is a weariness of the flesh. Another translation says, But beyond these, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books. Much study wearies the body. Like, if you want to learn more, there's going to be so many sources that are always going to provide you with more information, knowledge. That doesn't mean it's good to take all of that in. I, I think some of that is good, some of it is not. But he does say it's a weariness of the flesh. Um, I, I didn't do great in school, at least not in college, but that was because I'm a procrastinator that like to sleep in and not go to class. Um, I also just struggled to like, I, I just struggled with like reading comprehension for a while. I just, it was a weariness to me to just to read anything, like even the Bible. It was just a struggle for me. Over time, it became not a weariness, but it became really helpful. And it became something that was easier and something that I could truly delight in. Maybe you're the same way. Um, th- there is a limit to that, though. Because if we just keep on learning more and more and wanting more and more knowledge just to fill our brains so we have bigger brains and stuff like that, well, that is going to be continued weariness on you will not feel steady. You will not feel like you're going to one direction. You're going to feel like you're going everywhere. So it's good for us to push through that weariness if we struggle to even, like, understand God's word and we struggle to, like, to read anything. That's, it's good to push through that and to try to, like, put ourselves in our flesh through that. But there, there's this time where you go past that, where now you're just constantly grasping and searching and wanting more and and you're just going to be like, there's not going to be that pleasure and peace that we have from God. So not all words are wise, are wise words. Or maybe another way of saying what I just said is knowledge truly isn't everything. It's just not. But it is good. It is good for us to be filled with knowledge and understanding. We need to find that there is an end to study and to seeking. And we need to see that that end is the one shepherd. But we do need to be careful what we hear. Here's a quote that I, I, I found. It says, We grow addicted to research itself, in love with our own hard questions. An answer would spoil everything. I'm going to read that one more time because the first time I read that, I was like, what is that, what is that saying? Um, we grow addicted to research itself, in love with our own hard questions. I think that's what this whole thing of, like there's a weariness of the flesh of constant, like more books, more knowledge, more information. But if we found an answer to that question that we have, or those questions that we have, would it ruin you? Would it spoil everything? Is it about the pursuit of knowing something that you just want to keep pursuing even when you have an answer? Or are you truly trying to be grounded and have those questions answered? I think that's a really, really important thing for us to consider. And it might be hard for us to be honest with ourselves about how much do we really want answers to our questions? We also need to be careful what we treasure, because not all words are wise words. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What are you storing up in your heart? Is it God's word? Is it your own thoughts? Is it the thoughts of a, a parent or someone that you trust that, that taught you? Is it just um, philosophy? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it, what are you treasuring in your heart? What are you treasuring up? What are you, what are you storing up for yourself? Because I think what the psalmist is saying is that if you store up God's word in your heart, 
it's going to produce something good. Because he says, that I might not sin against you. See, that, that's what God's wisdom and God's words will produce in us. It's going to produce in us something good that, that continues us to follow him. Treasuring up other words, it might cause us to follow other people and other things. So he then he goes on to say in verse 13, this is the famous, like, wow, he just, you know, the preacher just did it. He just actually concluded something where a lot of other books in the Bible, it's like, what was the conclusion, you know? And Paul has like two in, in one book that doesn't that even make sense. But he says the end of the matter, here it is. This is it. That everything he's been saying for 12 chapters, for us, obviously 12 chapters, everything we've been saying this whole year, here's the end of it. And he says, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his teaching. Is that a letdown for you, <laughs> that that's the conclusion? I hope not. That's his conclusion. It says, all has been heard. All has been seen by him. He has, he has uh, preached all of this. So all has been heard and received. What's the end of it, Solomon? It says, fear God and keep his teaching, keep his words. The end of every decision, the end of every time of hardship, the thing that is going to help us and settle us and calm us, is fear God and keep his commandments. It's actually the beginning of everything as well, right? You know the beginning of wisdom, according to Proverbs? The fear of the Lord, right? It's interesting that the beginning and the end of everything in life really comes down to fear God and keep his teaching. So fearing God means that we respect and we love and we admire him, that we truly adore him, that we see him for who he is, not who we want him to be, and that there is a respect and, and an awe and even a fear at times. But, it, but we move past that to a love and an admiration because we see him for who he truly is. Fearing God means that, means that we don't exalt ourselves in our own observations over what he has said. Fearing God means we trust him over ourselves and over anyone else. Fearing God means that we're in the wrong, we're afraid. Because we, we don't want to come before him in the wrong. Fearing God also means that I trust him so much that um, I don't trust my own view of myself more than I trust his view of me. Does that make sense? That, that maybe I've been in the wrong and I've been in the wrong so much, but I'm trying to move past that, but I can't get over that because of how I view myself. Fearing God means I trust how he views me more than I trust how I view myself. But then he says, keep his commandments, or, or keep his teaching, keep his word. So to keep means that we treasure or value them. Uh, you, you, sometimes when we read this verse, you take the keep his commandments, and this is the whole duty of man. And I, I think that we, we, we see those two things, and maybe we apply that in a way that Solomon did not mean us to apply it. Because actually the word duty there is... Um, is actually just uh, provided by the people that translated to, to provide context. The, the better translation is actually this is the whole of man. Th this, this is the whole of man. This is all of mankind. Not necessarily the whole duty of man. I don't think Solomon is, um, is trying to emphasize or overemphasize at the, at the end here just obedience. 
I think when we see the word keep, I think there's there's two things that we should consider. You see, keep his commandments, I think it's a treasuring and an obedience. Like, I need to treasure his commandments. I need to value them. I need to hold them dear and hold them tight. When God says that to the children of Israel over and over again, to keep his word, to keep his commandments, what he means is grasp hold of it and hold it tight. Now, now what's the next thing after that? Follow it. Obedience is obviously the next step. But initially, I think what he's trying to say is like, hold it tight, hold it dear. Another translation at the end, instead of saying the whole duty of man, says this is the whole of humanity. This is what every person needs. This is what we all need to come to the conclusion of. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's what Solomon is trying to say. It is our responsibility to do that, so I think that's why they put duty in there. But this is, if you want to just search and search, if you want to, if you want to really understand what life is all about, I think this is what he's saying. I think he's saying, fear God and keep his commandments. Here's a few, uh, few verses that might be helpful when it comes to keeping the commandments peace. In 1 John 5, 3, John says, This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. That we treasure, value, hold tight his commandments. That is the love of God. Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says in the next chapter, in chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. How did Jesus keep the commandments of God? Well, he followed them. He was obedient to the point of death. But he also treasured them. He, he valued the commandments of God over every external pressure in life. Over what everyone else said he should do, he valued and treasured what God said. Over what he wanted himself, he valued what God said. That's what it looks like to keep the commandments of God. So the meaning or the purpose of life is kind of summed up here. The purpose of life is about God. If you want to know what the purpose of life is all about, and if you want to go and you want to pursue all the things in life to find what is life all about, in the end, you will find that everything falls short. Why? Because it's vanity. And that's been his point the whole way. He has said this a couple different times in Ecclesiastes, or this idea of the whole of man or all of mankind. It's in Ecclesiastes 3 and in chapter 5. And I think what he's saying here, this applies to every person. Every person that has ever lived, this is the end of things. It's about God. It's about finding him. He's the giver of life, and our true meaning in life will only be found when we find him, when we seek him. We can find purpose in a lot of things, but they're all going to fall short. You can find purpose in your job. You can find purpose in your family. You can find purpose in travel, in sports, in your reputation, in money itself, not just your job, but just money itself. You can find purpose in what you used to be. Everything's going to fall short. Everything will fall short. Our purpose needs to be found in God. Our identity needs to be found in God. There's only one thing that goes beyond life under the sun, and it's God. Because he's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. 
He's the one that has always been. All things are created through him and by him. So therefore, anything that we find in this life that seems to have substance, it's going to fall short if we overvalue it. If we value it over the one that created it, it's foolishness. It's vanity. It's emptiness. It's going to be a weariness to us. That brings us to the very last verse here in verse 14. God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. See, I know this whole thing in Ecclesiastes has been about under the sun, viewing life under the sun. Well, at the end of all of this, I think we've learned this. Our sight is limited. But God sees all. See, Solomon observes everything he can observe. And even then, there's something else. He can't see it all. But God does. Which is a comfort. I think it's meant to be a comfort. This verse, obviously, is not only comforting. There's, an, there's that judgment piece, right? We'll talk about that in a second. But isn't it great to know that, like, if I want to understand and I want to, I want to feel very secure, that instead of just looking around me at things that I see die off and and just go to waste, and instead of finding purpose and all that, like, I can just go to God because because He truly does see all. That, that's the good part of it. But the other part is that God will judge it all. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. He's specifically talking about words there, but he goes on to talk about other things. So the final thought of the teacher is, don't forget that God is going to bring everything into judgment. Every hidden thing, he's going to, he sees it all, he's going to bring it all into judgment. So our theme this year has been grace for more. When we read this last verse, don't we see how much grace we need? should he's going to bring every deed into judgment and thank god we have one shepherd that we have jesus that he did die for us he's our shepherd but he's also the lamb of god so he's going to bring every deed into judgment so we should fear him and keep his commandments but thank god for his grace thank god for jesus you and i need to obey god because one day we will be held accountable for how we live we need to love him, we need to pursue him, we need to be changed by him, and we need to be obedient to him. It's interesting, after all this stuff that we've been talking about this whole year with Ecclesiastes and the vanity that is just, I don't even know how many times he says vanity, but he says vanity of vanities. So it's like emptiness of emptiness. And he just continues to say that over and over again. I'll tell you what. My conclusion is, which is not as impressive as his conclusion, also not God-inspired like his is, my conclusion is like, yeah, life is vanity, but everything matters. And that kind of a, that sounds contradictory, but I, it makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you. Like, life is vanity. Everything ends. Everything comes, we, we are all going to die. And there's nothing we can do to stop it, and there's nothing that we can do to change things after we're gone. So life is vanity. But everything matters because this life is not all there is. This, throughout this book, that's, that's how he's approached everything, is like just thinking about under the sun. And after all that, he comes to this conclusion. So we have to ask ourselves a few questions. So I'm, I'm going to ask these questions, and then that's going to be it. And then we'll, we'll say a prayer, and then we'll have a song. I think we're forced to ask these questions. 
what if this world is not all there is? Viewing life under the sun, what if this world is not all there is? What if there is a creator that does exist? What if this creator will actually reward, but will also judge and punish? I think the question we're left with is, what if there's more? I think the answer is, there is more. I think that's his whole point in this whole lesson. This is just one sermon, apparently, if you think mine are long. This, I mean, this guy, this guy went on forever, right? There is more. So seek more. Seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are higher. Seek the things that are beyond this life. Because if you just seek the things that are in this life, you're going to be very disappointed. And remember, God will bring every deed into judgment. Every secret thing, whether good or evil. So let's pursue the good. Because there's value in that. There's value in it now in our lives to do good. But there is value for us to pursue what is good and what is right for eternity. That's what God wants for us. I think that's what Solomon wants for his son. He wants him to realize, this is it. Everything is going to go to waste. Fear God, keep his commandments. Pursue him, seek him. Because there is more than what you seek. I hope these thoughts are helpful if anything else, I hope that this lesson and, and all of these lessons have caused you to maybe just to seek his wisdom more for your life right now so that you can be changed so that you will have a life to come. Let's go ahead and pray. God, you're our father. You are our maker. You're the only God. You're all powerful. You see all and you know all. And God, we are so grateful that you just give us a portion of your of your word, a portion of your mind and, and your insight. God, we, we pray that your word will fill our hearts. God, we, we pray that we are treasuring your word and valuing your word the way we need to. And that we approach you with a loving admiration and respect and fear that we need to. God, we pray that you will help us to be changed by your word, to view our lives as a blessing, to, to see the opportunities we have, but to understand that this life truly is not all there is. And that we don't trust in this life or trust in the things in this life, but rather we trust in you and that we trust in your son who came to this earth, took on flesh, went through it all, but had the perspective and, and the mindset that we need to have where we just look beyond this life. We, we look to look to you and we look to be united with you. That was his goal, was to, was to come here to help unite us with you. And Lord, we know that he is, he is at your right hand right now. We know that by his blood we are cleansed. And we thank you so much for giving us a hope of heaven. Where we can one day be with you forever. And it will be so much better and greater than anything we've ever seen or witnessed or anything that we could ever hope for. Thank you for loving us, God. We pray we love you and help our, help our love for you to just grow and grow as we know you more. We pray all this in Jesus.